Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. Quincy has seen its fair share of crime over the past two centuries. Prostitution in the early 1900s, illegal slot machines around the 50s, and drugs in the 90s. But what does the picture of crime look like for today's Quincy? We find out that answer as we talk with Quincy Police Chief Adam Yates. That coming up next. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Another episode of your favorite new podcast, Wild Quincy, Chris and Travis with you. Travis, we uh, just came off our season one intro episode, first episode of the season that is, uh, and it was uh, Casino Starlight, and it sounded like, did we get some response? Did we get some feedback on Casino? We did on the Casino as well as some other things, Chris. Uh, we want to dive into some of the feedback? Yeah, let's that? do it. All right. Well, first up here on the, we actually heard a few times from one uh, one of our listeners, uh, Amanda. Amanda's always been a great listener, has always has great feedback for us. She said, uh, hey guys, doing some postcard research, I have a Highland Park. They're pretty cool. She attached some. Also mentioned that the trombone play on the Lawrence Welk show, who uh, made several appearances in Highland Park, I think, and or the Casino Starlight, rather, uh, was Bob Havens. And Bob, I believe, is still around and lives in town. Bob was the trombone yeah. player, like I said. I've heard the name many a time. I'm familiar yeah. with Bob. Don't really know him. Um, but yeah, quite quite some, uh, some big band royalty with Bob Havens and Quincy. Um, she also says she did some ancestry research and came across Andrew Michaels. If you remember, Andrew Michaels was the poor soul that got gored to death by that oh, deer. Right, right. And we were a little uh, confused on the timeline of when that happened. It looks like it happened in 1889, per Amanda. Wow. And she, it seemed that he had a widow, widow that survived him, but no children. He's actually buried at Woodland Cemetery in Block 13, Lot 107. Um, and he does have a headstone. So next time I'm out in that neck of the woods, I might make an effort to go pay my respects to, to Andrew Michaels, the poor victim of the goring that happened at the zoo there. Go back and check that episode out if you haven't. Some wild stuff with that zoo, Chris. Well, you know what? That actually kind of um, kind of spreads the length of the zoo out because that would probably make it that the zoo was around for 20 years then. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, that that actually happened before some of the more exotic pets maybe yeah. got there. Or pets, the uh, animals. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Anderson. Yeah. Well, Kevin Anderson's always good Kevin. for a couple couple facts for us. He We asked about the half Nelson, if you'll remember, the, uh, oh, yeah. the bear wrangler <laughs> who performed a half Nelson on a, a brown bear to get him back in his enclosure which he had escaped uh kevin goes on to sell us he says a half nelson is where you put your arm underneath the armpit of your opponent and curl your arm back behind their neck so a full nelson is if you're using both arms and locking your fingers okay so that kind of paints a picture there a little bit let me drop the more you know yeah kevin's always good like that he actually has some more (laughs) information too chris if you'll remember uh, there was the fire that happened at the establishment. What was that in the forties? Oh yeah, 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 uh, I yeah. Can't remember the timeline? Nineteen forty-seven. Well, we were yeah. we were having a little bit of back and forth on why one of the firefighters had a, a conduct merit, I believe, mm, de- yeah. demerit rather. And it's Kevin said conduct uh, unbecoming of a firefighter is generally a catch-all term used by the fire department. It could be saying something or acting unprofessional on the scene, but quick research also showed that it could be the firefighter may have been intoxicated while on duty. So 
Not saying it happened, but that was a good explanation yeah. of the possibilities there. Also, uh, Kevin, uh, congratulations to your community. That I think it was Central that just uh, oh, yeah. won state, right? He was Camp he was Point. getting ready to. Was it what's that? Yeah, you're right. Camp Point Central, right? Yeah. So kudos to them, and QHS also had a yeah. heck of a season. I know Kevin, as you know, knows his way around the fire engine as he as uh, a volunteer guy. I think they were getting ready to do a escort in the fires, the ah, fire truck on the way back from cool. state. Uh, real quick here. What else? We got a few other things. Miscellaneous follow up, not specific to Highland Park, but uh, we got an interesting email from a Rick B. And Rick B. Uh, says, "Hi, I live in Muscatine, Iowa." And long story short, Rick is doing some investigating, doing some research. He thinks that there's evidence of a Spanish trail that passed through Muscatine County, um, and all roads kind of pointed back to the Ellington Stone, an episode from, gosh, what was that, season one, season two, maybe? Yeah, some two or three, yeah. And so he was hoping to get some information on the measurements of the characters on the stone, and sadly, we don't have that, but I did refer him to the Quincy Museum, where it is on display, and hopefully he can get in touch and uh, see, see how that goes, but that'd be interesting to see what kind of connections he can draw and if he can maybe uh you know ink that uh ink that story of of the ellington stone and all the lore that could really be something in the yeah, chapter of ellington stone yeah. finally break that code and, and we were just talking before we started you know it's a possibility that you know spanish if it's a spanish thing you know there were definitely roman catholic back then yeah. so that would definitely definitely lean into like, change history a cross on there yeah, yeah change so. history if he can establish that spanish yeah. trail there so uh, good luck to rick and hopefully he'll keep us posted on what he finds yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Michael D says he had an interesting question. Uh, he he enjoys the podcast. Says uh, as someone who's lived in the area for twenty five years or so, uh, he's enjoyed. He says it's very educational. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate that. He had an interesting question. He and well, I didn't know the answer. Maybe, Chris, maybe you'll know. Maybe one of our listeners would know. I, I told my chair and see what happened. He noticed that several properties in the area have a shared driveway. Have you noticed that, Chris? One driveway sits between the two houses. Yep. So his thought was, uh, <laughs> this could make for some uncomfortable moments if you don't like your neighbor. I wonder how do these driveways come about? Who is responsible for maintaining them? And can one property owner wall off the other and tell them, F you, access your garage another way? <laughs> uh, I doubt you could do that, Mike, but that's an interesting question. I've never yeah. experienced uh, this. You, you could. You could. Actually. It probably wouldn't end well, right? <laughs> it has happened. I, I actually have a uh, relative that had that did that. Um, but uh, technically, I would think, and I again, I'm not into real estate, right, but right, I would right. say that there's probably an easement, and typically the easement would be included with that to where one person actually owns the driveway, but the other property owner has easement to that driveway. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. Let's see what what comes out yeah. from uh, you know, it's always funny when you throw out a question like this and yeah. all these individual listeners become this mind this hive mind of answers and <laughs> and let us know what you think we'd love to hear about it one more it thing kind of th- Go ahead. It kind of throws you back to the. Remember back in the day when the Harold Wig used to do like the "Did you know" oh, stuff, yeah, where they, somebody would ask a question yeah. and then they would get a response. I mean, it, we've turned into the "Did you know" the, the digital age. I love it. Yeah, give us your questions. I'm I'm That's all right. about learning. Um, Let's find out. One more one more little bit bit of feedback sure. here, Chris. This might be a, a another top show topic idea. Uh, Casey uh, wrote us to say that she's heard that the. Park Hotel building. You, you know which one the Park Hotel building is, Chris? Ooh, I don't. It's now the site of Tiramisu. Oh, yes, building. yes. Okay. 
Well, word on the street is that this place may be haunted, Chris. Oh. So uh, she tells some stories about a homeless man who has hung himself, which I have actually heard the exact same story from uh, a person no longer with us. Been been gone a while, but I heard that probably 15, 20 years ago, that exact story, as well as uh, the, the fires. The, I think uh, at that time, if, if there was a deceased body, uh, a different uh, fire station had the you know kind of a the uh, did the rounds of who had to clean up the issue. Oh, okay. And, and this this individual <laughs> it was uh, his realtor, and he was showing the place, and he had to call the fire station. Going, guess what? <laughs> it's your lucky uh-huh. day. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, uh, I'll spare you the details, but a, a shovel had to be used. It, it oh. had been there a while. Um, mm. So I don't know if anybody you know who. Maybe owners tiramisu, patrons, workers. Let us know. Have you heard anything weird? We might have to look into the history. Sounds pretty uh, pretty rich with some good stuff, Chris. That building has a very rich history. I've been told stories about uh, other things that were in that building in the 60s and 70s that uh, maybe weren't so... Well, well, they were appropriate for that street. Let's just say that. Oh, there was absolutely, yeah, prostitution. <laughs> prostitution. The same the same source of that story I heard uh, actually found... I believe they found the stripper runway in the basement of the hotel yeah. in the 60s or 70s or maybe a little in the 80s. I, I yeah. may or may not work with people that actually have visited that, stri- that stripper. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll stop it there. Not condemn anyone yeah yeah keep keep a cast of broad net on that there um yeah, exactly. so yeah that's thanks everyone for your feedback don't yeah. be shy let us know hit us up on facebook you can also email us at wildquincy at gmail.com or give us a shout give us an email give us a text or a voicemail 612-666-9453 612-666-WILD we'd love to hear what you have to say and that's gonna do it for our somewhat yeah. lengthy feedback thanks everyone yeah. for your thoughts and questions yeah, we, we uh, don't uh, try to save those up, but uh, every once in a while we uh, get uh, a decent amount coming in. We'd like to kind of point them out because, like, like Travis said, you never know when you might uh, find out some information from somebody else that hears this and be able to uh, connect the dots together. So, uh, you know, we talked about uh, the episodes that we've played in the past with the Elephant Stone and things like that. Uh, I have a, a couple cool T-shirts uh, that I still have in my possession. One is called um, the Levy Walker Survivors Club. Oh, yes. And and I have another one that has a very cool uh, Ghost Hollow Road uh, sign on them. And, and Travis, you created those, and I think those are available on our merch store, right? They are, Chris. Yeah, no, those were a little, a little, uh, what we call a little uh, beyond, beyond and above. All those who go above and beyond with their support of Wild Quincy can can uh, wear some Wild Quincy on the outside, not just yeah. in the inside of your ears. And you can check out the merch link at wildquincy.com. That'll get you to the page with all you know, several a handful and maybe maybe two handfuls of different designs. And uh, if you're if you're apt to support the show outside of your earbuds we'd love for you to take a peek at that and see what you can do christmas is coming up so you better jump on the stick there well i got to think about too is well they got the coffee mugs on there too a couple other things as well uh we were trying to talk about this last episode about a uh and that's what i was trying to think about before we started the episode there was an idea for we were trying to think of something for a new t-shirt design and I can't remember what it was now from the last episode. I don't, does that ring a bell to you? Uh, I think it was the Patreon episode where oh, okay, 
where we really dove into the monkeys of Highland Park. <laughs> oh my gosh, and, guys, some of the monkeys. The monkey stories alone. You know, and I we really kind of glossed over it on our Patreon episode, but Chris, uh, something just fell off of my chair. I didn't know if you were hungry or not, but oh, no. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to share it with you since you're apt to trying to eat parts of your chair, apparently, look like Oreos. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that in itself, it was quite a doozy of a Patreon episode. Chris was trying to eat plastic he thought was an Oreo from his chair. Uh, you guys are probably uh, going to hear that here in a couple oh, minutes, so be listening for that. I laughed so. so hard when I heard that back again, Chris. That was good yeah. stuff. <laughs> I did, too. I was driving down the road, and I was busting. <laughs> up laughing, listening to it again. Uh, it was funny. But yeah, you'll be hearing that coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so check uh, that out. By the way, like I said, Patreon, check that as well. We have tons of episodes. As we mentioned, we had an extra monkey story about uh, the uh, uh, the park, Highland Park. Ended up that I lost the story, so I had to go searching in the internet again for it. I found it. In the process of finding that story, I found a ton more stories that put a totally different spin on the monkeys at the park. Uh, it did not turn out well. At, Those at monkeys all. were out of control, Chris. They were yes. out of control. You know who yeah. else is out of control in a good way? What's that? Those people who elect to be Patreon members. Oh, yeah, for sure. As a matter of fact, we want to thank Chris Earhart for coming on board at a Medium Jeff special. That's the $5 level. And hey, now's a good time to give another kudos and thank you to those who decided from the business level, if you will, which is the $20 the hostess will seat you now. Uh, these people, you know, really, uh, you know, they, they show their support financially and we really appreciate it month to month. Cooking with Carly, been on, on the, the bandwagon for a while, uh, cookingwithcarly.com. It's a great collection of family recipes recipes both old and new good stuff well we've made quite a few things from there just said hey to carly today at the grocery store as a matter cool. of fact strangely enough uh, lion's pride even even longer than cooking with carly she's they've been kicking around quincydj.com they're your premier dj karaoke photo booth and officiating services provider so a bunch of great guys doing great services yeah. and uh kudos to both these businesses if you're interested in being a joining the ranks of these wonderful people go over to our patreon site and come aboard at the 20 dollars level and we'll give you shout outs so yeah absolutely and uh, anybody else that's interested in patreon check it out as well you get a free trial and then at the end of the free trial they'll ask if you want to join uh, i'm going to tell you this right now you do not have enough time in those five day free trial or whatever the length is to get through all 57 episodes of patreon so you can try you're not going to succeed people so you're going to have to get the subscription <laughs> Hey, you know, if you want to give it a shot, give it a shot. It's, it's like a hot dog eating contest or something. You know? <laughs> Nobody's a real winner there. So That's know. right. So, uh, but yeah, check them all out. You hear more about the monkey story again, guys. You just listen to that one with your free membership. Oh, that would Lord. be the one to listen to because it is insane uh, what we found out. Anyway, uh, yeah, so check that out. Patreon.com slash Wild Quincy. We'll have more info about that coming up here in just a minute. But Travis, time to dig in. We have to get to none other you're 0 for 1. We're going to go for 1 for 2 after oh this one. Oh, my God. I forgot Question all about this part. of the day. Yeah. All right. I'm are not you, feeling Are you great. ready for this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. I feel like you got this one. All right. All right, man. Which usually is a sign. That's you usually don't. a bad sign. Bad omens. <laughs> bad omens. <laughs> All right, so here is your question of the day. Which of the following areas has the largest population? Okay, you're going to need four choices. Okay. Right? Is it Brown County, Hancock County, Pike County, or the city of Quincy? Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, again, there's your question is, which area has the largest population? Is it Brown County, Hancock County, Pike County, which are all Illinois, by the way, or Quincy, Illinois? Oof. You just have, like, this stone-faced look on I'm, your face right now. 
<laughs> I'm like uh, Beautiful Mind, Russell Crowe, trying to see how those numbers floating around in my head <laughs> right now. It's very yeah. cloudy. It's very cloudy it's and meme blurry. all over again. Yeah. yeah, so we'll have the question or the answer to that question coming up at the end of this episode. But we move to our first crime episode of the season. And we're going to have a, a, a special guest on for this one. It's something we've been talking about for a long time. and something Travis and I have both been curious about, talking about what exactly is crime look like in today's Quincy. We're going to find that answer out from Chief Adam Yates, and that's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. I even had a very cool hand-drawn map. (laughs) Or not, the, the, the map wasn't drawn. Sorry, I, I, I totally thought I had an Oreo here, and I just put it in my mouth, and I realized it wasn't an Oreo. What did you just put in your mouth, Chris? It was, ru- it was rubber from my chair that ripped off earlier. I was like, ooh, Oreo. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Sorry. I was like, ooh, Oreo. Do you even have Oreos in your house? Yes, yes I do. Okay. okay. It makes it a little better. Yeah, right? It makes it a little better. Our after hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. So as we uh, dig into our first crime episode of season five, uh, it, no, it seems appropriate, actually. When we're talking crime, we need to talk to somebody that deals with crime on a daily basis. And we're doing that this uh, episode as we talk with none other than the Quincy Police Department uh, Chief of Police, and that is Adam Yates. Adam, welcome to Wild Quincy. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And so, Travis, you guys have a little bit of history. You guys <laughs> may do some jamming together yeah, and talk to no, each other. I, I, I first came to it's, it's Adam. I always have the a worst time trying to figure out if I should call you Chief or Adam, and, and because I I knew you before you were Chief technically. So it's like, do you prefer? Do you have a preference? Because I feel like I I'm prefer Adam. Adam, okay. Adam, <laughs> God, I'm a lot easier that I way. I keep st- kicking over my words. No, yeah, we. Uh, we we I think we first met jamming at Rodney's uh, second string music. We, everybody knows Rodney yeah. from being on the show, and and uh, yeah, good times down there. Miss miss that. So uh, yeah, it really it really always was a good time. And uh, you know, you're an, an incredible guitar player, uh, and I don't know if everybody knows that. I'll slip but, you that uh, twenty later. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, those, those it really was a loss when that store closed, yeah, and no, yeah, we did have a lot of good times down there. So. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. We'll we'll have to get into to the music later because uh, I know you guys are are around town playing all the time. So we'll have to we'll have to end up with talking about that at the end here. But uh, you know, one of the questions that I've always had, and and Adam, with us doing our podcast here, we dig into a lot of true crime stuff. And so you know, it's Quincy specific you know episodes that we talk about. And so you know, we got to thinking like, okay, well, back in the '40s, it was all about slot machines and prostitution and all that stuff. You know, those were the big ticket items right Right. so we got to thinking like 
what's today's world like? And so that's why we wanted to bring you on and kind of talk about what today's atmosphere feels like when it comes down to, you know, crime in Quincy. So the 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 10,000 foot view, if you will, and maybe we can just start with the big question is, what's the big problems in Quincy today? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think when you look back and, you know, I think about the stories that I heard from the guys that came before me and, and really these stories came from the guys that came before them. Um, you're looking at a very different layout when it comes to crime. I mean, obviously you always had, you know, the alcohol issues, the prostitution issues, the gambling issues, like you said, those are just really, I'd say we don't have alcohol issues, but you know, the prostitution, the gambling, the, the issues like that, we don't see a lot anymore. Right. right. Unfortunately, now it's more, drug issues you know it's mm. methamphetamine it's it's heroin it's and, and all the the side effects that come with those particular issues whether it be overdoses whether it be the crime that's associated with drug abuse and i think that just from a law enforcement standpoint probably the biggest factor that we deal with right now is mental health mm. and not that mental health was not a problem in, you know, 1950, but it just seems like today, I know it's not every call we go on, but it's, it's 40 to 50% of the calls that we go on. We are dealing with someone that is having some type of mental health issue. And to be honest with you, the resources just aren't there to deal with those problems. Hmm. And that's, that's really what is frustrating for us. But, I mean, crime is crime and, you know, uh, murders are murders and, you know, there's always going to be con men that are out there trying to get one over on somebody. Those kind of issues still exist, but it's the manner in which those crimes take place these days that are so different than what would have happened before. And, mm. you know, it all comes down to technology right. and social media and the ability to use those different mediums to you know, whether it's bully, whether it's steal, whether it's, uh, you know, just gain information you're not supposed to get. It's that kind of stuff is really what we see a lot uh, in, in, in any crime that we investigate today is just an abundance of technology that we have to take into account. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up the, the mental health issue of that because you had something that, you know, again, we, we talk a lot about history in this thing and we see a lot of stuff in newspapers and, and back in the day of, of, you know, about the crazy guy that was down the street or something that the police had to deal with. And, and back then it, it was like that. But, you know, in today's world with the changes in, in mental health and, and trying to have a better understanding of what those issues are as a, as an officer, it's gotta be difficult because you're still kind of in the same spot where you're, you know, protecting protecting and serving and you're not a mental health official, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's the problem is, you know, you have police officers that signed up to be police officers. They didn't get into the job to be a social worker yeah. or a counselor or anything like that. And that's, and it's not that we don't want to help folks. It's just, we don't have the skills or the tools that we need. We're, we're putting band-aids on, you know, severed limbs out right. on the street. And that's, you know, and, and what we're looking for from a law enforcement perspective is someone to come in and and triage these folks and, and get them where they need to be. And, and I think that's the difference 
between now and, and from what I understand in the past, because right, wrong, or indifferent, and I understand that there were a lot of issues with how folks who were mentally ill were dealt with in the past, but, you know, those folks were pretty quickly snatched up and put somewhere Yeah, where even if they weren't getting the services they need, they at least weren't out in society. They, and yeah, they're being the safe. Yeah, yes. Right. They're, they're in a controlled environment is the way yeah. I kind of explained it to people. And, and though over time, all of those facilities, all of those uh, venues that were able to support those folks have been closed, funding cuts, you know, they've just gone away. And so now you see people who are on the street that don't need to be on the street who ultimately end up in the criminal justice system when they don't need to be there. That's right. not going to get them the help they need. And it's certainly, but it's, it's all that's left really. And that's yeah. what's unfortunate about the whole yeah, situation. Absolutely. And, and not only that, but you know, it's not just like with those situations where it's just one time that you go and have a visit with them. I'm sure it's one of those things where you're consistently, it's, it's a habitual thing where it's not just one visit. You, you're seeing them multiple times with just taking resources for other issues when it comes to, to dealing with other things with public safety. I'm sure multiple times a day sometimes. Wow. And, and that's, and it really is. I mean, we know them by name. They know us by name. And it, it's just a constant frustration that we're not able to do something about this. Not because it, it's, it is a drain on resources, but it's more important that we get them the help that they need. We get them stabilized, get them back to being a productive member of society. And it's just, you know, I, I, I've said for a long time, I mean, I will stand up next to anybody and argue for more money for mental health more money for resources, more money for counseling services. But the, the where I draw the line is you're not going to take that money away from law enforcement to deal with these problems right. because right. you didn't give us the money 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago when you told us to start dealing with this problem. We got no additional resources. We didn't get to have additional officers on the street. You didn't give us social workers within the police department. So we recognize there's a problem. It's just, you know, I just can't afford yeah. to give up money out of my budget yeah. to try to deal with that problem. But but more than happy to say, look, this has got to be dealt with. Someone's going to have to stand up and take the lead on this. Right, right. So, so Adam, this is going to lead me to my lighter question here in a minute. But but was this all kind of an eye-opener to you as you've progressed up the, the work world of, of police and law enforcement? Or, or was, I mean, was that the biggest shock to you, I guess, the better question to ask when you first got into law enforcement with dealing with the mental health issues as much as you guys do? I think over my 24 years, it seems to have gotten worse. Um, you know, you start off in, in a, you know, you, you might have one or two people that you were dealing with that, you know, were, were consistent issues. And, and, but, but at, even at that time, there were state facilities that were available for folks that were just really so deep in their mental illness that they just weren't, they couldn't care for themselves or they were a danger to the community. And, it, it just seems like over time we have seen more, but in the same breath, we've also started doing a lot more to try to come up with solutions to the problems that we're faced with. And, you know, I, I talk about mental health forms and we have a, a contract with a, with a local healthcare provider that we can forward people to, we can refer them to, we can, 
even call them out on scenes around in, 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 that mm-hmm. with someone that's in mental health crisis and they can help us resolve the problem. We didn't have anything like that back in, you know, 1999, 2000, when mm-hmm. I came on the department. Wow. This is all stuff that started over the course of the last, say, five to seven years. And mm-hmm. while it's not perfect and it doesn't fix all of our problems, it's certainly a good indicator that this is the direction that we need to start going in law enforcement that we need to start getting to the root of these problems yeah. and solving them there rather than dealing with them after the fact by putting people who have either drug abuse issues or mental health problems right. in, in jail or in prison, because that doesn't do anybody any good. All we're doing yeah. is transferring our street problem to the corrections officers who are in the right. jail or in the, the Illinois department of corrections. Yeah. It's so, just going to keep, just going to keep escalating until it gets to the point where now they're in jail or in prison. Right. right. I mean, that's what's coming down. And to. while they, again, they might get services there, but they're not going to get the services that they need. Right. Right. So now that gets me to the light hard question. You said 24 years. So we just, you know, you haven't been police chief 24 years. So give us the background of how you went from where you started to where you are now. Give us, give us the layout. So I started in 99 as a patrol officer with the police department, which everybody does. Um, so I, I was a patrol officer about three years. I joined our street crimes unit in 2002. Um, so at the time, our street crimes unit was a, a, a gang, drug, kind of street-level crime uh, specialized unit that went out and focused on that kind of stuff. Uh, did that for a couple of years. And then in 2004, I had the opportunity to move back to our investigative section. So I became a, uh, a detective at that point. And from 2004 through 2010, I worked as a, a criminal investigator investigating both adult crime and youth-related crime, uh, child sex abuse cases, things like that. I really enjoyed that aspect of the job. It was very difficult, very challenging, but ultimately very rewarding um, to – I always – it was hard to really reconcile the fact that, you know, when you're a patrol officer, you work your own cases, you do your thing, but you know, most of the big stuff would get passed off to investigations and they would deal with it. So when you were an investigator, like nothing was getting passed off anywhere. It was yours. You were going to have to figure it out. And uh, so that was a very uh, rewarding time in my career. Uh, In 2010, I went back to patrol out of investigations, anticipating an upcoming promotion and was ultimately promoted to patrol sergeant in May of 2010. So I worked as a patrol sergeant on night shift for, I think, three years. Went back to day shift in about 2014 or something like that. And then I worked day shift patrol uh, sergeant until 2018. And in 2018, an opening came up in our administrative services sergeant position which was something I really never envisioned myself doing. But um, having been working patrol for, you know, eight years as a sergeant, it was time to do something a little bit different. Uh, it was also one of those uh, Monday through Friday gigs, which <laughs> was, was fairly appealing. Right. Uh, there's not very many of those on the police department. No, no. So you got to take advantage. Uh, so I did that for about a year and a half. And, you know, there, there's a, a – a very wild mixture of what goes on in that position. Uh, You're responsible for all the training that goes on the police department. You're kind of the uh, research and development arm of the police department. 
you, you work very closely with our fleet manager, making sure all the vehicles are doing what they're supposed to do and testing out new equipment, you know, making decisions along those kind of lines. And so uh, it was, it was, it was, I enjoyed that aspect. That was a role I think that allowed me to give back to the patrol officers and really make sure they had what they needed, make sure they were getting the tools, the training that would help them be more efficient and more effective out on the street. And, and I enjoyed that role as well. Um, I, I still remember it was kind of mid 2019 uh, summertime, I think when uh, I got an email from our, uh, our current deputy chief of, of operations at the, at the time, um, Doug Vandermaiden saying that he was resigning from the police department hmm. and it kind of, I think it surprised everybody, but me especially because, you know, I, I had no idea he was even thinking about leaving. Uh, so Doug leaving ultimately opened up a deputy chief position on the police department. And so, you know, I actually thought long and hard about whether or not I would put in for that position because it, it wasn't necessarily something I was particularly driven to do. Um, Shane and Pilkington had moved over to deputy chief of operations to fill Doug's spot. So the deputy chief of administration position was open. And so that's what we were, uh, what I'd put in for. And it, I mean, it was terrifying and, um, an interesting, all like kind of wrapped into one, you know, obviously a very important position, but also a, a position that was far removed from what I ever got into policing to begin with mm -hmm. was, was to be out on the street and you know, chasing bad guys through backyards and, you know, <laughs> helping people out. Right. So, right. um, so I really, you know, I, I thought long and hard, eventually decided to put in for the position and, and was ultimately selected and appointed as a deputy chief. And, you know, even at the time, wasn't really, didn't have the mindset of, Hey, I, I want to be the chief of police someday. Uh, I, I still remember some conversations with Rob Copley, our chief at the time. And, you know, again, wanting to, be able to give back to the officers and make sure they had the tools that they needed, you know, the, the equipment, make sure the cars are running right. You know, that was, that was fine with me. I was good with that role, but understanding that, you know, he wasn't going to be around forever. And at some point somebody would have to step up and, and, you know, potentially take the reins. And so, uh, you know, after some time as, you know, the deputy chief and having this, well, I don't really have any desire to be chief. I, it started to kind of set in that like, look, you know, somebody's got to <laughs> be willing to take on the responsibility. And, and we had a conversation and at that point, you know, I said, look, I, you know, I'm willing to put the work in. I'm willing to prepare myself as best I can uh, for when you eventually retire. And, and at that point, Rob hadn't even announced his retirement. I don't even think he knew when he was going to retire. Uh, but understanding that there was going to be something forthcoming and, and we had to be ready for it. So, uh, so I started, um, you know, I went back to school, started working, you know, through my, uh, to get my bachelor's degree, uh, uh, trainings, uh, attending the school of police staff and command, doing those kind of things that, that would prepare me for the future. And then ultimately, uh, in, in May of, uh, 2022, uh, after a very arduous selection process and, uh, coming in second, uh, out of three candidates, uh, ultimately was, uh, was offered the position. So, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's been very challenging. It, it's, you know, I, I think anybody that, that gets into policing 
I don't know that there's too many people that get into policing specifically because I want to be a police chief. So right. you get in policing for something completely different. But I think over time you have to look at the importance of having, you know, competent leaders in agencies. And if you want to sit back and complain about what's going on, that's fine. But at some point somebody has to step up and say, okay, let right. me, let me get in here and let me start changing things and let's do things the way that, you know, we, I feel they should be done. And, you know, so it's, it's really, you know, it's been challenging, but it's been very rewarding as well. So yeah, that's kind of the, the synopsis. Well, yeah, that's, that's a long line. Yeah, for sure. Now I do got to go a little bit farther back. Uh, what about high school and stuff like that? Uh, like, did I want to be a cop in high school? No, 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 no. Where, where'd you go to school at? Oh, I went to school here. Yeah. I graduated from Quincy Senior High School. I mean, I've lived in Quincy my entire life. So, right. Um, so yeah, I, I started off in uh, St. Mary's Catholic School, which is now oh, Blessed really? Sacrament. I went to. Yeah. I was. I was a saint as well back in the day. Yeah. 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 So, and uh, a leatherneck. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so in seventh grade, though, I I switched over to junior high. So that was uh, that was a life altering experience going from a Catholic school <laughs> yeah, to Quincy junior high school. Slightly things bigger. Are, things were done a little differently. Yeah. Done a little differently <laughs> at, in the public schools. Um, and then, you know, graduated from, uh, from QHS and it wasn't much of an athlete. I played baseball. I wasn't very good. Um, but I was into marching band, concert band. That was oh, the stuff cool. I really new faces, all that kind of stuff. That really was something that I enjoyed. Oh, so, yeah. um, Graduated from high school and uh, started, uh, I'll just say I started at a four-year university. Very quickly realized that I was not cut out for college, at least not at that point <laughs> right. in my life. No, so, it sounds uh, familiar. Some things had to had to happen, so I went out and enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. And oh, wow. We, uh, we got some things worked out over the next four years. <laughs> I, I came back in, uh, in, in 2000, or I'm sorry, 1998, I was discharged and, and started uh, going to John Wood, started taking colleges at, mm-hmm. or classes at John Wood Community College. And I've been a straight A student ever since. And I said that <laughs> I, I owe all of that to the Marine Corps because yeah. it heard, was, I've it, heard that's, that does, that has some effect on people. It, it's uh, amazing what a little bit of discipline can do for you. <laughs> and, uh, and crawling around in the mud and, and doing all that stuff. Yeah. And so you're yeah, either, either I'm going to make this work. Or I'm going to have to go back where I came from. And, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get paid a little bit better, but I always knew that law enforcement was something that I wanted to do as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the some military route actually made sense when you got down to it. Mm, sure. And, um, you know, but you know, and actually I only, I always say I, I had, uh, I was an eight year, associate's degree major uh law enforcement major at john wood community college because i started and then shortly thereafter got hired on at the police department so i had to stop my education and but ultimately went back once i got into investigations and had a little more regular schedule Mm -hmm. um and then of course uh if if you think about it then i was technically a 25 year bachelor's degree uh because i just graduated (laughs) from western illinois university this past may congratulations it only yeah thank you you. only took me 25 years to get my bachelor's degree so very proud of that hey we're in the same boat i'm actually i i think i'm about to the 25th year on mine as well so (laughs) i'm still working on mine as well so that's what it's all about well that's right just get it done being a being a local guy i mean how has that affected your career in law enforcement has that had advantages any disadvantages i mean how do, how does that uh, work day to day being so ingrained in the community for all your life can that work for you and against you 
I, I think you could say it. Yeah, it, it, it goes both ways. And, you know, I had a lot of people tell me when I was first getting into it, they, you know, they just couldn't believe I was going to work for my hometown because they're like, well, you're going to see all, you know, the people that you went to high school with and you're going to have to arrest them and stuff like that. And, and, and there was some truth to that, uh, you know, but it, it was what it was. And, you know, it really comes down to, you know, if you just treat people with respect and you're fair, I mean, I think most people, you know, understand that they screwed up and, hey, yeah. there's, you know, things things just happen. Um, I, what, what I really think is, is the most important part of it is being from Quincy, my family's from Quincy, you know, my wife is from Quincy, her family's from Quincy. You just have a sense of ownership that I don't know comes when you move from out of town to somewhere that you're not originally from. Yeah. And that was always, I think, a big thing for me is it, you know, this is my hometown. I grew up here. I have a stake in what happens in this city, how it's protected. And it, it just, it, it, it really, you know, I, you know, I have roots here and I'm, I really take very seriously how, you know, the police department is perceived, how we do what we do, you know, the manner in which we do it. So, you know, it, it it, it's good. I, I was actually talking to somebody the other day and, and I was I was joking because, you know, well, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm from Quincy and that's good, except for, you know, a lot of my family is from Quincy and a lot of people are, are from Quincy that know me. So they know me outside of, you know, my job. So they call me and they complain about crap all the time. You know? <laughs> and, and, and especially now as chief, it's like, well, you know, I get these phone calls like, well, why are you guys doing this? Or you guys really screwed that one up. Um, yeah. So. There, you know, where I guess if you're from out of town, people maybe don't don't know yeah. you like that. No one from your hometown back wherever is calling you up to complain about crime in in, in the place that you're working. I bet so, it, I bet uh, it's been amazing how many people you know are experts on every everything in the last it, couple it, of years. It, every yeah. every day I meet a new one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um. So so one of the things I kind of want to dig into because um from my experience I I have very little when it comes to law enforcement but you know one of the things you again everybody sees TV shows and stuff like that. They're like, Oh, you know, there's, you know, these, we mentioned drugs obviously, but like, Oh, gangs are, you know, there's gangs everywhere. Is that true for Quincy? Are there gangs? Is that a thing? I, it, not anymore. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously we have internal conversations at the police department about this kind of thing. There, there certainly were in, in back in the, the nineties, um, early two thousands, uh, we had a serious gang problem in the city really? of Quincy, and there was a lot of drugs, a lot of violence uh, that was going on back then. Um, a lot of that has has gone away now. I, I don't say Quincy has a gang problem. I say Quincy has a unsupervised youth problem. In hmm, that, you know, there there are groups of of, of juveniles that. You know, or or young adults that that are out doing things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, they may not particularly like another group of juveniles or young adults, and so we see, uh, you know, a lot of the, the the gun violence that we see in Quincy is seems to be specifically related to these young adults or older, you know, juveniles getting close to the age of eighteen that are just making really poor decisions in mm. what they're doing and in a sense i guess don't seem to really have a, a a real handle on 
the importance of life and how fragile it can really be. And, and, and they're just willing to shoot at each other and oh, wow. handle things with guns. So, you know, I, I, it, it isn't like in Quincy, you know, the bloods are out shooting at the crypts right. and there's drive-by shootings and, and things like that. I mean, we, we do have our, our issues and we, we have had obviously this year, you know, an uptick right. in, in violence, but, Nothing that I think from a law enforcement perspective we would point at and say this is a gang problem. Hmm, it's it it's just a yeah it, it it's just a I mean it's a crime problem is what it is and it seems to be centered around younger individuals but none that are identifying by any particular gang sure. or or that are mad at somebody else because yeah. they're a member of an opposite gang or anything like that. It, it's yeah it, it it's not you know in in. The reason I laugh is because uh, our deputy, my deputy chief operations, Mike Tyler, he is from uh, Peoria. So Peoria has some issues. And uh, so, you know, he looks at what happens in Quincy and, and, you know, can can relate that back to when he was a teenager growing up in Peoria, going to high school where they had issues. And so, yeah, I mean, when you when you're able to look at the issues we're dealing with versus the issues that you see in Peoria, uh, Springfield, Bloomington, Normal, Champaign, the Quad Cities, you know, you know, it, it, yeah, we have some issues here in Quincy, but nothing like they seem to be dealing with in those, in those cities. So yeah, we, you know, I, I, I wish we could, uh, I don't want to say do something. We, and we, we are supposed to do something, but I, I wish we could get through to these kids, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and let them know that this is just not, you know, because, you know, you look at at, at the, the the recent incident over on Scenic Drive, and you know we have 16 year olds losing their lives, and and that's mm. just not. Yeah. I mean, that's permanent. That you can't undo that, right. and so it, it's really a shame. And I know there's not a play, there's not an answer to like we can't solve all the all the world's problems, but is there anything like you know I'm sitting here and this is kind of kind of hit me from a, from a different angle, and, and you know I'm in a position I am an instructor, and so I. I deal with younger adults and so i'm like thinking to myself okay as a as a community is there is there something we can do to help have you ever thought of i mean that's a loaded question to ask but is there anything you've ever thought of that maybe if we tried doing this a little bit more maybe this stuff wouldn't happen i there's a lot of folks that are out there trying to do more for our youth as a matter of fact i've got a, a meeting set up for the week after thanksgiving to speak with a young lady that is looking at putting some programs together. You know, I really, it, it, it just in it, as a society, it seems like it just comes down to when, when we have youth, when we have juveniles that we deal with on a regular basis, a lot of the issue seems to be that there's just no supervision in the home. And so when you're, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, and you can just do whatever you want. And you start hanging out with other 12, 13, 14 year olds that can do whatever they want. And you get bored, you start doing things you shouldn't be doing. And then that just, sometimes you are able to intervene in that process and you can have somebody uh, see the light or, or somebody has a come to Jesus chat with them and that, Mm -hmm. that will change. And sometimes it doesn't, and it just gets worse and worse. And, you know, I've talked to educators, and, and, and teachers are, you know, play a big role in this, not so much in, in, in having responsibility for juveniles who commit crimes, but having the ability to say, 
when they have a sixth grade class or a seventh grade class and they can point at a student and say, that person is going to end up in jail <laughs> before it's all said and done. And teachers will tell us that, that, you know, mm -hmm. I knew that at some point this person was going to end up, I was going to be reading about them in the newspaper or I was going to hear that they had gotten arrested. So I, if I could tell you what the programs were, if I could tell you how to do it, I can assure you that the three of us wouldn't be talking right now. Right. I'd be off making millions exactly. of dollars selling this product. Um, it really comes down to um, having peer support, mentorship, folks that can get in and, and, and talk to these kids on their level and from their background. You know, I don't know if that's, you know, as police, we want to help with that, but we're not the ones that are going to be able to necessarily do that. Yeah. We are going to have to support the individuals that want to start the community programs that are going to get out, talk to the youth, you know, get down on their level and, and really try to, you know, influence them in the ways that are going to be long lasting as they move through, you know, their, their late teens into adulthood. And, yeah. and I, and I, there, there are, you know, Bella Eves does a really great job right. of, of reaching out, mentoring youth. Um, you know, there, there's, there's other church groups that, you know, when someone is having some issues, they'll reach out to you. So there, there are groups that are out there and, and there's some, you know, there's some kids that just aren't going to care about anything yeah. like that. They're going to do what they want to do. Yeah. And, you know, they're just going to have to get dealt with on, on at some point, you know, uh, yeah. one way or the other. And so that's what's unfortunate. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are very interested in trying to head it off before it gets right. to the point where it's too late. Adam, I have a couple of questions. Um, maybe maybe challenges, maybe opportunities. I got to think in the last 24 years of you coming through the QPD, uh, the evolution of social media, both good and bad, has made a big imprint in law enforcement and, and how that how do you, how do you see the impact of social media affecting local law enforcement for good or for right. bad? You, you, you said good or bad, yeah. and I'm I'm yeah. I'm still looking for the good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have uh, found that, then well, let I, us know. <laughs> to, to the QPD's credit, you guys are very active on on your Facebook page. Well, and, and and that's where we're at now, yeah. and and that was one of one of my goals. Um, you know, after becoming chief, was you know to have a a more um prevalent social media presence uh, because that's that's where everybody's at nowadays yeah. and that's a good way to reach out to folks and, and connect um i will tell you that the number of times in law enforcement we say man if we could just get rid of facebook instagram <laughs> uh tiktok whatever yeah. uh, and, and and again not it, it's that's what I'm, I'm, i was talking about earlier with technology and the mechanisms in which people use it nefariously and right. You know, I think one of the one of the biggest issues that you see with social media is the the constant harassment, the bullying, mm, the yeah, right. um, you know, I, we we call them keyboard warriors or whatever that are able to say stuff on social media that they wouldn't walk up to someone face to face yeah. and and ever say to them for maybe fear of getting, you know, knocked in the mouth or mm -hmm. they're just don't, that's just, I mean, that's not most of our personalities is go up and be rude right, right, to, to right. individuals. And so, yeah, when it comes to, to social media, I mean, that's, I think we all know, and, and, and I'm not, I, I don't mean to pick on teenage girls, but I think everyone would agree that as, as three males growing up through high school, you know, we had our issues, but 
guys just treat guys differently than teenage girls treat each other. Seems that and way, yeah. It can be, oh, it can be so, so bad. I yeah. mean, mm. it, you know, when it comes to young girls that don't like one another, they can be very vicious. And, mm. you know, we can, you know, we deal with a lot of that. And I think our school resource officers would tell you that um, it, it, it just, even, you know, back before social media, it was bad. You know, the talking mm-hmm. behind each other's backs and things like that. But with the, you know, invention of social media, it's just a whole new mechanism right. for them to to mess with each other. And I, I think that's the downside of, of social media is, is those yeah. folks that are going to use it in that way. You know, again, I, we say good because we can stay connected with folks, you know, not just from a, you know, from an individual standpoint, uh, a law enforcement standpoint, a business standpoint, a podcast standpoint. Uh, those are all obviously benefits. We can keep each other informed. You know, people know what's going on. I think when you look at it in the terms of law enforcement, you see a lot more bad than you do good because, you know, and, and just, you know, just as an example, um, I guess it's good for law enforcement, bad for everybody else, but the amount of information we're able to glean from social oh, media yeah, accounts. Yeah, I was getting ready to ask about an, that. Yeah. Investigating yeah. crap. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, people just can't not talk about this <laughs> stuff. So it's, it's, it's Snapchat messages back and forth. It's maybe text messages back and forth. Um, you know, I, I, I always laugh because Facebook for me is like the MySpace when, you know, I was starting out <laughs> law enforcement. Um, nobody's on Facebook anymore. I like Facebook. It's like the only one I know how to operate. Uh, Just us and our buddy but, Tom. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, you know, but, but all these different platforms that, that, I mean, the kids use all this stuff. Yeah. And so of course, um, it, 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 it's, it's a huge part of any investigation. I mean, even the minor investigations usually, we're getting cell phones, doing cell phone dumps, getting search warrants for social media pages, things like that. I think one of the, you know, a, another detriment to law enforcement, and it's and it's not, I mean, it's not all bad, but the, 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 how quickly information is shared, um, it, it can hinder us sometimes in our investigations, and and not even I don't even think so much in the investigations. That the issues I have are when, you know, when you have something bad that happens and someone loses their life, uh, whether it be due to crime, whether it be because of a traffic crash, you know, whatever it may be, uh, very often we don't have the opportunity to go make contact with the family right, and, and notify them in an appropriate way that one of their family members has either been seriously injured and is at the hospital or has lost their life. And, and they, they read about this on, on, on social media or, or someone calls them because they saw it on social media that, hey, you know, there's, you know, the cops are outside this house and, and you know, it looks like somebody got shot. I mean, that's what I really think, uh, you know, and we were just talking, I was at a conference last week and, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate uh, world that we live in with, with you know, law enforcement suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, if you were to have a suicide within your agency, the importance of getting to the officer's family and, and, and making notification, or if you have an officer that's killed in the line of duty, getting to that family and making that oh, proper yeah. notification. And, you know, I, I think we all envisioned 30 years ago that if an officer was killed in the line of duty, the chief would go to the spouse's house and make a notification mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, to, 
in, in today's world, I mean, it's it's the sergeant. I mean, it's getting the sergeant to the house to let them know something has happened because there's no way you're going to get a hold of the chief yeah. and get the chief where he needs to be in the amount of time yeah. that it's going to, you Super. know, before the family's going to find out one way or the other. And so, you know, those are some of the, I guess, the negatives that mm-hmm. come along with that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand social media. I'm older. It's easier for me yeah. to say. I don't really care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, right, right. Kids yeah. nowadays don't know what life is like right. without social media. <laughs> right. So it's very important so, to them. Yeah. yeah. So, so I so understand let's, that. Let's switch over to a different type of technology, and that's something that you've seen. I've seen a lot of lately, and I'm sure that you, over the last you know 20 plus years, have seen this as well. But what about like cameras? I mean, it seems like cameras have become much more of a vital part of you guys when you investigate. Is that is that kind of an accurate statement? Oh, it's it's very accurate. You know, there's there's video cameras everywhere nowadays, and as a matter of fact, you know, we we in our strategies with investigations. I mean, we will. You know, it used to be you assigned a detective to process the crime scene. You assigned a detective to go out and, uh, you know, start interviewing witnesses or the suspect or whatever it may be. Uh, and, you know, nowadays we, we, oh, hang on just a second. That's okay. I had to plug my phone in. I didn't want it to die. But we have, uh, you know, a detective that, hey, or, or even a team of detectives go out and start looking for video cameras. Right. And, and, and that's all they do. I mean, if there's. I mean, we do that on traffic crashes. We do that on, on, you know, I mean, proper major property crimes, whether it be burglaries, you know, things like that. Um, you know, we actually have a camera registration program where you can oh, uh, really? fill out a, fill out a form. And, and, you know, if, if you're someone that's willing to cooperate with law enforcement and you have cameras, you know, you basically let us know what your address is. Let us know, you know, where kind of the general area in which your cameras might be focused. And so if we have a crime that happens at a particular location, we can drop a pin on a map and we can go and we can see who in that particular area has not only cameras, but uh, is willing to let us look at video footage. And, you know, you, it it may be nothing more than seeing it, you know, maybe two blocks away from where the, the robbery occurred. But if you see a car drive by and you can get, you know, I mean, uh, uh, maybe not even making a model, but, you know, it's a four door uh, vehicle and it's it's green, you know, and, and maybe it had a, a, a specific damage in a specific spot or different kind of wheels. I mean, those are all, you know, clues that help us figure out where we're going. And so uh, so, yeah, it's it's amazing, you know, what what our detectives today are able to come up with when it comes right. to video surveillance. Has has that been a double edged sword in some ways, though? I know this day and age, because of the increase in cameras and people are very, the big brother syndrome, you know, has, has having, does it work against you in any ways from a public sentiment standpoint, Adam, as far as, I, as, okay, these people are in my business too much, you know, or because there's a lot of, you know, I don't, we don't get into politics, but there's a lot, obviously people love their freedoms and some mm-hmm. people really feel like that's infringing. And when you guys recently installed the, 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 uh, the cameras on the select intersections, you were very vocal about kind of specifying how, what information is captured, how it's captured. Right. Is that necessary to kind of combat those big brother fears out there? Well, I, I think it, I think there's always going to be that sentiment and I don't disagree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think from the standpoint of when you're talking about video surveillance, it, it's important 
and this again is comes from a, 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 a educational perspective is that you know these cameras are individual people's cameras these aren't police owned cameras we don't have you know you know like you might see in chicago new york definitely in like london england right. where they have cameras everywhere that are controlled by the city that are monitored by police officers and are watching people 24 7 these are all cameras that are privately owned and these folks are just you know willing to allow us to take a look um now th then you flip over to like the flock license plate reader cameras or lprs is what we call them and you know part of what i was focused on making sure people knew were that these aren't video cameras so these mm -hmm. take no video whatsoever they literally just take photographs and then of course they do have the ability to uh to run a license plate to see if if the car's wanted or uh you know if it's related to a missing person case or something along those lines um and and you know there there are going to be people that they don't like that 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 they do think that that's a big brother thing and i don't i don't necessarily disagree with them but from my perspective in law enforcement it certainly is a tool that right. helps us combat crime greater good and there, I, yeah and 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 I'm not saying it's it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but you know, for individuals that aren't in favor of, of license plate readers, and, and and some of them were vocal during that process, uh, and I certainly respect their opinion. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if if you drove outside of the city of Quincy and went to any other city, you know, within you know 100 miles, you drove past a license plate reader. Right. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Springfield yeah. has them. St. Louis has them. Um, you know. It, so they're all over the place. I mean, in, in places that people probably don't even realize. So, hmm. um, so yeah, no, I mean, it, that certainly is a, you know, I, I, it, it's not fair to just say, well, if you're not out committing crimes, you have nothing to worry about right. because, you know, we live in a free country and you have the right to move and not be tracked in where you're going. Um, and, and that's why, you know, that's why I was comfortable with the license plate readers because there was no facial recognition right. technology it literally takes the pictures of the back of a, of a vehicle and, and then, and then keeps the picture for, you know, if that vehicle wasn't doing anything wrong, keeps the picture for 30 days. And if we don't access it or look for it for any reason, you know, it's, it's, it's gone. So even if that person had committed a crime, if we weren't turned on to it or, or weren't aware, you know, that that particular crime had been committed after 30 days, it's gone. So, right. um, you know, so yeah, no, there, there is a give and take and there's certainly, uh, you know, there's a there's a perception that you know the government is getting i guess you know too much into what people are doing in their daily lives um but you know not to say haha we got you but you know i mean we yeah. carry around this device in our yeah, pocket exactly. all day long yeah that right collects so much more information on us right and yeah right the government can't just access that but it's not hard for us to access that right, yeah. once you've committed a crime right. and we obtain a search warrant and then we have access to all that information. Yeah. So uh, people are collecting far more information on themselves yeah, exactly. that we yeah. can potentially Can get to. Candy Crush is eating up all your data, people. I'm just telling you this right now. Well, <laughs> Much more than I've been, you know, I'm in marketing for my day job and it's so it's so funny to explain to people that like how Google utilizes your data from an advertising standpoint, even Facebook for that matter, it's downright scary how specific you can get in targeting from an advertising standpoint right. of things you'd never imagine. But uh, yep. I, I do have a question that, that uh, I've been thinking about a lot. And 
true crime has exploded as far as something people consume. And I'm curious from a law, you know, a law enforcement standpoint, how how does that affect your job when people are so absorbed with this true crime culture and all the shows yeah exactly i mean is there any good to that or is it really a frustration or talk about that a little bit if you don't mind it i I think it's good for people to be educated and you know crime shows police shows forensic shows are are very interesting It, it it it's a very interesting profession i mean i think that's why some of us are drawn to it you know and and i always made uh make a joke in my uh my Citizens Police Academy presentation, you know, I, I always usually ask, hey, how, how many of you have watched Cops? And, and <laughs> you know, and they, they kind of chuckle and giggle, right? And I said, I said, well, man, I used to watch Cops all the time. <laughs> you know, and, and I said, I, I love Cops. I'm like, you know, Cops is, it, you have, everything is perfect in Cops because, you know, it, 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 everything only takes eight minutes for it to happen. <laughs> it's always going to be something cool. And it's if all the the bad guy takes off running, they're going to catch it, what? right? Or they would put it on cops. What's, what's more yeah. accurate, cops or Reno 911 some days? Uh, well, it, sometimes it depends on the day. I'm, but I'm sorry. Co- Cops is a little more accurate. Okay. You might, we might have a couple officers where you might say, well, if they're involved, it's going to be more of a Reno 911 type of event. But, um, but yeah, it, it, but, you know, and, and I tell, uh, you know, when I'm talking to young folks that are interested in law enforcement, and, and I, and I, you know, we talk about, well, how did you get interested in it? Or, or what are you basing the profession on? You know, it, it's, it can be a, a double-edged sword because cops is very exciting. It's very interesting, but it's, it's not always like that. I mean, right. that's, that is some of what you do and it really yeah. is a, a very interesting profession, but um, you know, we often describe it as, you know, if you're working an eight hour shift, it's going to be seven and a half hours of absolute boredom that's broken yeah. up by 10 minute increments of, of sheer terror. Yeah. And that's, you know, and then of course, then followed by four hours of paperwork. Yeah. So you have to remember they yeah. never show the cops writing reports yeah. on cops, right? Just like they don't on law and order. And, and, and that's right. a big part of the job. And, and so, but I think when you talk about the detriment of law enforcement, I think you start to get, uh, more so in, in your major crimes, you have juries that expect much more than any case is usually able to deliver. Right. And and when, when I say that, I'm talking about DNA. I'm talking about fingerprints. Mm. I'm talking about, um, you know, vi- video footage. And when we talk about that, you know, earlier video footage, but, you know, realistically, <laughs> you know, you watch these cop shows where they're, you know, they, they zoom in on the car and you can't read the license plate and they do a couple things and they enhance it and they do it. And all of <laughs> a yeah. sudden you can read yeah. the license plate. <laughs> yeah. and that stuff doesn't work. Um, and, 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 and nor can you, you know, take a swab of, of, you know, a, a drop of blood on the crime scene and, and within 15 minutes have a yeah. picture of the guy right. holding a knife up, right. you know, that right. you know, there's your bad guy. So, but, but I think when you, when you get to the jury trial, the, the juries now expect to, hear that evidence they want to see the dna evidence they Mm. want to see the video footage i remember (coughs) excuse me i remember you know when we when i first started on the police department we had had just gotten um you know even within the first couple years uh cameras in our squad cars you you know i mean dashboard Mm -hmm. cameras and that was a new thing for us and so over time um, you know, you go out and, and what, in the mid nineties, you went out and made a DUI arrest and 
you just wrote a DUI report. You explained what happened, how they performed on the field sobriety test. And then you went to court and you testified and that's how it worked. And then it's gotten to the point now where if you do a DUI stop and you arrest someone from DUI and for some reason your camera wasn't working, they're just going to dismiss the case right. because they really? know there's no way that they can make a case because the jury is going to say, well, where the hell is the dash camera wow. showing this person falling over when they got out of the car? Wow, and wow. if it's not there, I mean, they're just going to assume you're not telling the truth. And wow. and I remember getting into, uh, we'll call it a, 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 a very candid discussion with a state's attorney, assistant state's attorney back in the day, because uh, we had done a DUI detail when I was on the street crimes unit and I, we were just short on cars. So I had to take one of the detective cars out that night mm. um, and it didn't have a camera in it. And I stopped a, a gentleman and I arrested him for DUI and, and the whole nine yards. Um, I, I Ultimately, it got to the point where it was going to go to court and she said, well, I'm going to dismiss it. And I said, well, why are you going to dismiss it? I mean, the guy was clearly intoxicated and she's like, well, you didn't have a video. Why on earth would you take a car out and make a, a drunk stop? without a video. Huh. And I said, well, we didn't have enough cars. Right. And, wow. and, and, and she says, well, I'm just not going to make this work. And I said, well, wow. how did you make it work 10 years ago? Yeah. And, and I said, you know, I could go to court and testify. She said, it's just jury. Isn't going to, isn't going to buy wow. it. And That's so we just, neat. just dismissed it. And you know, that was a lesson for me. I mean, you don't do that, but not everything that happens is going to get caught on video. Right. And you know, we've had body cameras since 2018. Now they, fail at times they mm -hmm. don't work i mean for various reasons batteries die they malfunction something ends up covering up you know the, the the camera and so you can't see stuff so you know one of the concerns is when you're seeing all this stuff all this either whether it's forensic technology or body cameras in car videos people become very reliant on that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and they expect that and if they don't have that it's almost like they just don't believe the cops anymore when they just testify. Right. And and I don't, I'm not saying I, I, I blame them for that because well, it seems like there's body camera video of, of everything else. So why isn't there on this one? Uh, but it, but certainly, you know, it has its, its downfalls as well, but, but I will tell you that the technology that's out there and available to us certainly helps us do our jobs a lot better. It protects us. It protects the community. Um, and it, it, it makes us more effective as an agency but it certainly, you know, when it fails us, it it does have a, a negative impact on the work that we do. Well, I, I have one more question before we go into the our special lightning round of Quincy-centric questions to get you in the hot seat. Um, <laughs> here's, here's something. I was thinking of questions earlier this week. I knew we were going to chat. And uh, I want to ask, and there may be nothing here. But what is the weirdest call the QPD has ever been? Is there anything? I mean, has Bigfoot in, been in somebody's garage? Has there been ghosts? <laughs> I mean, is there something like really bizarre that's been called in to the QPD in your time there that sticks oh out? My gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tell people I have forgotten more crazy stories <laughs> over the years than, than I even remember. And, and I, and I should have, you know, I should have wrote some of the stuff down at some point. Um, I, I mean, I, we, we operate in a world that very few people have access to. Right. And, you know, some people say that, you know, we, we have a, a front row seat to the craziest show on earth. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. Um, for me personally, I mean, had you told me to think about this for a little bit, um, I probably could have come up with something. Mm -hmm. 
but I, you know, I, one of the, one of the, the things that sticks in my mind, and it's not necessarily a call that I went, went on, but, um, it was, <laughs> I was, I was a shift commander acting shift commander. And I was, so I was on the desk and I get a phone call and the phone call. I mean, the person on the phone was obviously tremendously irritated and they said it was like midsummer. And all they said was there's a man with a dog tied to a street sign at ninth and state standing in his shorts, no shirt playing a drum. (laughs) And and I'm just like, okay. Okay. Can he keep a rhythm? I mean, I'm looking for somebody to jam with. So in, in my mind, my first question is, is he any good? Yeah. Right? Because I know some guys that are looking for drummers for bands, right? Um, of course, I didn't say that. and but, but what I did say, because, you know, there has to be a little bit of levity in this job. I said, is that unusual for Ninth and State? <laughs> and I don't think the person on the other end of the line thought that was as funny as I did. Right, right, um, right. But it was like... Okay, well, we'll send somebody to go check it out, and and you know, so we did. And of course, it was nothing, but it, you know, the the things that we would look at and and just kind of shake our head. It, I mean, people will call us about, and um, ninth and ninth so, and state that that wasn't our buddy Paul, was it? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I was, I think that was before Paul. Okay, um, but yeah, no, and, and I mean, I, you just. You know, I, I, Rodney Hart has you know, is famous for saying you can't make it up, right? right? I mean, right. and and to, to this day, you know, I mean, we still probably once or, or twice a week, something will happen and we'll look at each other and be like, you just can't make this stuff up. And, <laughs> and, uh, so, I, I mean, wild and crazy, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what is it? It's everything. It's I mean, it really, de- <laughs> it, it, it gets to the point where you get numb to it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, what is, is, crazy to somebody else for us is like oh no this is yeah this is just what this we is a deal Tuesday. With. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's i mean what, okay well what's the difference well it's a full moon and, and yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that explains why uh but it you know i you know i i think that uh there's things maybe themselves the way they handle situations i think are are, are very unique um you know so it, it it it's you just look at people and you're like i'm sorry what happened uh, explain to me why you did that again. Um, and so yeah, I, I, I can't come up with a great just <laughs> right, weird right. story. Um, no, that, that, that oh, ticks no, the box. Pretty good that one. ticks the box. That's right, pretty right good. Now. But it, but yeah, I mean, it's it literally, I mean, you know, I, I always said it'd be nice to may have some ghost stories or things like that, you know, people calling in, but um, I, I, I always tell people one of the, one of my favorite stories is, you know, we always, there's always this, I don't know, I'm not going to call it the fire department and the police department are always getting compared to one another. Right. And, you know, we have a great partnership, but we're always giving each other a hard time. And so I, 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 again, I was a a shift commander one night working night shift and two o'clock in the morning phone rings and this elderly lady, she says, my smoke alarm's going off. And I said, okay. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And I said, do you smell smoke? She says, no. I said, do uh, you think you should go outside? She's like, well, I, I, I think it might just be like malfunctioning. And I said, okay. 
you know you called the police department, right? And she says, yeah, I know. I, but I figured the fire department, I figured they'd be sleeping. <laughs> and and I, I said, uh, I said, ma'am, I, I'm pretty confident they are sleeping. But this is their area of expertise, so we're going to wake them up and have them come out and talk to you. And I transferred her to the dispatch center, and about two minutes later, the tone went off, and out they went. And, and so, but I, I'm like, okay, it, it was just so funny because this, this clearly, this this elderly lady, I mean, was probably concerned. Woke oh, yeah. up, probably looked yeah. up the number to the police department. Obviously, made a conscious effort to not yeah. call the fire department because she didn't want to bug them. <laughs> Those nice boys and, work so hard, Adam. They let them yeah, sleep. They, they, let them sleep. They need a rest. <laughs> Let's just call the police and see what what they can do for us. And yeah. you know, most of the time we'll help if we can. But you know, this is one of those things where I don't want them getting mad because we go and change the battery in their smoke detector and they didn't get an opportunity to come out and do the oh, thing. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it, it's wow. it, it, you just really uh, every day is an adventure. Excellent. That's awesome. All right, so uh, Adam, it's time to go through our lightning round questions. And like Travis said, these are Quincy eccentric questions. So y- you can think about them or you can throw out the first thought that comes to mind. Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, we just want to know what your thoughts are. You ready to give this a shot? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, so first question is this favorite pizza in Quincy? Jeff Special from the oh, tower. Oh, yeah. no hesitation. Now, which one? No hesitation. Which one? Tower, thick crust. Tower Jeff special. Okay. Yep. Ooh, okay. Well, right. and that's because you can't get thick crust at uh, oh, Gym, Gym City. City. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoken okay. like a Quincy insider right there. Well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped it down right away. Uh, favorite, so let's just talk favorite food in general. That's Quincy. Oh, my gosh. I'm not a huge food connoisseur, um, but I, I probably the Abbey. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. you know, I think anything you get at the Abbey is is always fantastic. I like the atmosphere. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Abbey always, always a good call. Good food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is the biggest plate of nachos I think I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. yeah good wings. Massive. You know. Yeah. Beer is yeah. always good. really nice and cold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this doesn't have to be necessarily Quincy. It can be national or whatever. But give us uh, your favorite sports team. You got a favorite sports team? Oh, man, you know. To be honest with you, I've kind of dropped off the sports thing. Sure. Um, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, okay. you know, uh, yeah. probably. I mean, I honestly I haven't gone to a game or even watched a game on TV in a number of years, but uh, I was a big Cardinals fan back in the day. Don't really – I enjoy watching football, but I don't really have a team yeah, that yeah. Uh, that I follow. Um, so, yeah, if I, I've had to pick one, that that's only because that was a, a past kind of thing. Sports really aren't my – I enjoy watching sports. I just don't yeah. really follow it. I couldn't tell you who the wide receiver of any football team is. Like Pre- some of these. Preach on, man. Preach guys. on. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, your answer probably made about a good majority of the city of Quincy happy. So, yeah. so you're good. There. I mean, <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with Cardinals. <laughs> right. So, uh, okay. So let's. Uh, we kind of. Here's another one for you. Favorite Quincy event, past or present? I'm gonna go with. The karting races. Oh, nice, nice Park, choice. Karting races. When I was yeah, a kid, that's good. Um, yeah, my, my dad would take me down there, and yeah. I was I really enjoyed watching those. Uh, was was really excited when they came back for you know a, a very short period of time recently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, always enjoyed. As a matter of fact, I remember going to the karting races when they were downtown. Yeah. And they oh, were, really? Yeah, oh, the, yeah. The big figure eight. Yep. Um, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I 
my dad introduced me to an auxiliary officer that he knew at that time. Uh, I was just a, a wee little kid, at, at, you know, and I was very impressed by, um, by, by that. You know, again, I think that's my influence in law enforcement started, you know, by, by seeing. I had a couple of soccer coaches when I was young that were both police officers. Um, but yeah, but yeah, the, the, the go-kart races always got a big kick out of my dad loved going to those. My sister still loves going to those. So, uh, yeah, karting races. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those me too. And I know Travis is the same. He lived real close by growing up in South park. So yeah, that's a great time. You know, when you get, you can smell the exhaust. I mean, something you never forget. Yeah. All right. So last one here for you. And uh, I'm really curious what your answer is going to be on this one. So if you were going to pick a completely different career, what would that look like? And what would that be? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Toughest that, question of the night. That is, uh, man, that's a great question. Um, man, dare I say firefighter? Ooh. Oh! Because I, I, I actually did take the firefighter test before I took the police officer test. Um, I, I do really admire the work that they do. Uh, it, it certainly is a, is a, is a different profession, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess if, if yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. I, I always say that, uh, when, when I retire from the police department, I would love to be a garbage man and just really? go around and pick up people's garbage and throw it in the back of a, of a, of a truck. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think if, if I hadn't gone the law enforcement route, I probably would have ended up in the fire service. Wow. Here's, um, here's a follow-up to that question. Who eats better? Because I've seen people drop off some pretty good stuff at the the QPD. Well, I guess it depends media. on yeah who's doing the cooking. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. That's the, the, I think the firefighters cook better for themselves. They could they could probably beat us in in a, yeah. in, a, in a like in a, a chili, chili cook off situation. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I but I do believe that when it comes to support from the community, we do get more treats and, and boy, and, I get hungry <laughs> sometimes seeing like these. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Ali just dropped off those sandwiches. I saw a picture on Facebook. Yes. Yep. Do you ever get days where multiple people show up and you guys have like this insane surplus of food? Well, we do. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, where does it, where, where does it go? What happens to it? So normally if, if there's an abundance, we take it and put it back in our break room and then we holler at the sheriff's department who are right next door oh. now, tell them to come over and, you know, use the corrections officers, uh, court security nice. folks. They're able to come over and, 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 and get some as well. So it, it absolutely, it never ceases to amaze me. No matter who drops off what or how much there is of it, nothing ever gets wasted. <laughs> it is it is phenomenal. I, I you know, and, and you, you don't watch it happen because it happens over the course of the day. But right. you could, you might put it back there at ten o'clock and go back at three o'clock, and there's nothing but a platter and a couple of crumbs. <laughs> You know, uh, like those sandwiches you were talking about. So uh, the, the amount of, of, of food that, that, you know, our, our officers and then, of course, our partners over at the county right. can consume is, is very impressive. And, <laughs> and, I, I, so, and I think that it certainly it needs to be said that from a law enforcement perspective and especially a Quincy law enforcement perspective, I, I, I cannot tell you how proud we are to work for our community because of the the amount of support that we get from the community and it's it's just amazing and i know you hear stories about defund the police and and you know different issues in different cities and 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 that does have a demoralizing effect on officers throughout the country but i think what we have to do is 
you know, make sure that we're worried about our own yard, right? right. And and, and yeah. we look at what's going on here in Quincy, how we're treated here in Quincy, and 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 try to try to do the job based on that. And you know, the, the Quincy community is just amazing. They they've always been very supportive. I, I I always give a lot of credit to the guys and girls that came before us that established the trust, that build the relationships, that caused uh, the community to. Uh, embrace us and 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 it and just you know generated the support that we get and we're always still thankful for that we never take that for granted i certainly never will um you know the, the, the bringing the treats and, and stuff like that it, it's just amazing it, it it just makes you feel good uh knowing that people are are willing to do something yeah. you know for us just for no other reason than hey man you guys are out there doing your thing you know we would just want to help you out so I just I, I couldn't imagine working for any other community because it, it's just Quincy just such a great place to live and work. Um, we always appreciate everything that 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 everybody does for us. Wow. Well, well said. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I really don't think we could wrap it up any better than saying that. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us at Wild yeah. Quincy. And feel free to come back anytime. I, I will try to think of some really crazy <laughs> stories and maybe jot them down and get back, pick out and touch so, and, and we can maybe do an episode on just, you know, crazy cop stories. There but you go. No, I, nah, that'd be well, great. Thanks, really thanks for all that you guys do at the QPD. Yes. We appreciate it. And also, thank you for your service. As well as all those others who served in the, the QPD and other offices there. Um, we're, we're, we're proud to do it. So thanks so much for having us on. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. Thank you, sir. We'll <laughs> <right>. do that. <laughs> all right, well, yeah. that was Adam Yates. And we'll be back with more after this on Wild Quincy. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Floors, doors, walls, halls, white sidewall tires and old golf balls. Sinks, stoves, bathtubs he'll do. He'll even help clean laundry too. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Can he clean a kitchen sink? Quicker than a wink. Can he clean a window sash? Faster than a flash. Can he clean a dirty mirror? He'll make it bright and clearer. Can he clean a diamond ring? Mr. Clean cleans anything. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean, he gets rid of dirt and grime in Greece in just a minute. I I love that jingle so much that I want to see if we can get like a like a uh, Daft Punk remix of that. Oh, that'd be awesome. that'd be really good to clean to. Am I yeah. wrong? Yeah. Like have that yeah, on repeat, no. just like yeah. cleaning the bathrooms. Like yeah, getting into it. That song you heard, it's it's back from the day. It's it was I think it was in the forties again. Uh, but um the actually no even 50s but um they re came back out if you see commercials today with mr clean they start with that jingle yeah. now they actually yeah. start with that song before they go into like the modern day turnaround so it's classic uh yeah yeah so check this out I, I i went i did some research i found some pretty cool stuff so mr clean was introduced to the country in 1957 
the advertising agency uh, was out of Chicago. It's called Tatham, Lard, and Kudner. Uh, they were the ones that drew Mr. Clean. He was a muscular, tan, bald man that cleaned things very well. Okay, that was what they said. Uh, according to Procter & Gamble, which is the parent company of Mr. Clean, the original model for the image of Mr. Clean was a United States sailor, Navy sailor, from the city of Pensacola, Florida, although some people may think that he is a genie based on his earring, folding arms, and tendency to appear magically at the appropriate time. Interesting. I was not aware yeah. of that. Um, one of the live action commercials actually referred to the character, Mr. Clean as a genie. Really? Yeah. So, so there's controversy, controversy there. Uh, Mr. Clean has always smiled except for a brief time when he was a uh, mean Mr. Clean. You remember that? No. Um, what what, did, what yeah. did he do? It was a series of ads when he was frowning because he hated dirt. Oh, he does hate dirt, Chris. <laughs> Uh, although Mr. Clean is the strong, silent type, he did speak once in a few television commercials where actor Mark Dana appeared playing Mr. Clean in a suit and tie in the mid-1960s. Last piece of the piece of this is that Mr. Clean actually has a first name. No way. What is it? Yes, he does. Uh, Veritable is his name. Veritable? V- Veritable Clean is his actual name. Th- it's a legitimate thing. That's weird. Uh, in 1962, uh, the, the company actually had a promotion going on to na- give Mr. Clean a first name. And Veritable. so they ended up making him his, the name they chose was Veritable Clean. Was there one entry? Because I think it sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's such a yeah. weird name. And I was like typing like, am I spelling this right? Uh, but yeah, okay, r- so there Real you go. quick, who's wins in a fight? Mr. Clean or the Brawny Man? Oh, wouldn't that be a battle to the end? Yes. Who would, who would be? Uh, who'd I think be Mr. Clean does because, you know, you get chemicals involved. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Chemical warfare, Chris. Yeah, right? It's, it's getting okay, real there. Phase two of this question. <laughs> this is just a thought okay. experiment, okay? okay? What if Mr. Clean and the Brownie Man teamed up against the Jolly Green Giant? Oh, eh, I still he, think Jolly Green. I think he's, he's tall dude, he's big man. Dude. You take him out you with just step on him. Yeah, just. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, good call. We're on yeah, the same page. There. Yeah, we're, we're in this together. Uh, speaking of being into it together, let's bring in a, another amazing set of pipes. How about that? Oh, yes. And now it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Thank you, Bo. Time for the wit and wisdom and know-how from our forefathers and foremothers of the Adams County area. Uh, Travis, I love the numbers that we got for this, uh, this season. So many. So many and so many great yes, choices as well that I'm having a hard time opening this book up to get to it. It's complicated. <laughs> you know, there's pages. It's a big book. And, you know, yeah. it's a good book. All right. So for this episode, we go to, I'm not sure what section this is in. I should look that up. Um, let me do that real quick. Uh, speak amongst yourselves. Sorry, you got me mid-yawn there, Chris. I wasn't ready for the getting pitched the ball. Um, <laughs> boy, yeah. Thank yeah. everyone for your submissions. We can. It always blows my mind how many people like, bring their a-game when it comes to picking a number it's just uh, blows me away to see all those submissions thank you again. so let me tell you the name and that would be genie uh belker thank you genie chose chose the number her number was seven thousand and twenty nine. again a high number that's the best number which, i've heard all day and so that actually puts it into um discovering a future lover or husband Oh, boy, this should be fun. 7,029 goes like this. Everything concerned with the following rites is to be done backwards without laughing or speaking. 
Let the girl cook a hard-boiled egg, cut it in half, remove the yolk, and fill the cavity with salt. Then she must sit down on something upon which she has never sat before, get up, and go to bed. The husband awarded her by fate will appear in a dream and offer her a drink. Words of wisdom from Adams County. Boy, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot to unpack there. She got to do that backwards? I like the part that it says here, you have to do it backwards and without laughing. Okay. <laughs> let the you girl cook a hard-boiled egg. Do it back. Okay. You can't do that backwards, can you? Okay, so let's let's do or it backwards. Or do you just like li- so, literally like turn your behind your back and do it? No, I think. Um, How do you to be reverse hard-boiled an egg, Chris? Ooh, I I think it's step by step. So I'm confused. So the first step is to get up and go to bed. Then it is to sit down on something which you've never sat upon before. Then you need to fill the cavity of, a, of an egg with salt, <laughs> remove the yolk, and then boil an egg. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought, like, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, the men's going to come flocking. That's uh, Well, no matter what, the husband will appear in her dream and offer her a drink. Well, I hope it turns out so for her. I really do. <laughs> I don't know. I saw that when I was reading these, and I was like, oh, that's, that's a unique one. You got, you got a salty egg snack if things don't work out. At least you got <laughs> something to eat, I guess. At least you got some hard-boiled eggs, that's... right? Maybe they're making deviled eggs. Oh, that's what it sounds like what they're doing. Careful. The one the yeah. devil dreams. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there's your uh, wit and wisdom. Uh, so let's move on to the last piece of the puzzle, and let's see if Travis can uh, get on the uh, W board to start the season out. I'm feeling great. Ready for this question of the day, Travis? You ready? You got it? You figured it out? It's unavoidable, Chris. Bring it on. <laughs> Here we go. Which of the following areas has the largest population? Is it Brown County, Hancock County, Pike County, or the city of Quincy? All those in Illinois, of course. Travis, what do you think? Mm. So you're talking about the total population of the county. Oh, you're throwing a county versus a city there. That's that's mm-hmm. a curveball, man. And all these counties are the counties that adjoin Adams County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you take well, there's you got Hancock County. Mm-hmm. God, I'm doing the visual of like all the people, the cities that make up these counties. Yeah, and I just man, I'm it got me wondering. Because I know what we're talking about next episode. I'm trying to think where where it's at. I'm thinking maybe that's your angle here. I thought it was Adams, but why isn't Adams a choice? Um, mm. I want to say Hancock County, Chris. Going Hancock yes. County. So that is your final answer. And only only because I think that's where it takes place. So that I can okay. be totally wrong. So that's that's a good assumption, and your assumption did not lead to the right good answer. God. <laughs> It's Quincy. Oh, for two. It is Quincy. I knew it. Is the largest. You and your tricky Quincy. You're just mean. Yeah, I want people to love it. Come on. Who got that wrong? And tell me that was a mean question. Let me know. Oh, no. no, Wildquincy at gmail.com. Tell Chris not to be so mean. Yeah. So actually, you would actually have to combine the population of all three counties together. Yeah. You still wouldn't get the total population of Quincy. A little, little sparse in the area. Yeah, you're, you would actually be pretty close, though. You would only be short by 528 people. Okay. So okay. 39,000 for Quincy, about uh, just under 39,000 for the other three counties combined. 
So there you go. So guide us through. As everyone knows, the question is a precursor to the next episode. So mm-hmm. work backwards into your your evil <laughs> maniacal <laughs> development of that like, question. Like the like the you want me to do it like the throwback ad or the the maybe wit and wisdom maybe Let yeah me do yeah it backwards yeah tell us how you came to that question, Chris, and what's up next. So so the thought was is that uh, we're we're moving out of Adams County a little bit for the next episode, and that's because we're heading to Hancock. Okay, County. So I was right. It was in Hancock County. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I feel a little yeah, so bit. That's a little W for me. Little redemption there yeah. for you. Yeah. So so yeah. Hancock County is north of Adams County, and um, so my thought process is I need a Hancock County question. And I was, uh, you know, how hard it is I, that's by far the hardest part of doing these episodes is figuring out the question of the day. It's the filthiest um, sounding county. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> what? It's the filthiest sound in county. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so anyway, I got to wondering, like, I wonder how big the population of Hancock County is. And I saw it on the Wikipedia page. And I was like, huh. And then I got to look into the other counties. It's like, wow, I don't even think that equals the total of Quincy. And then I was like, oh, there's my question. Okay. Today. Boy, that was uh, so there you go. twist and turns. More, more twists and turns than... Uh, <laughs> But let's get to the important Night part. Shyamalan is Shyamalan movie over here. Yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's get to the point part. A point. A point. The important part. Um, <laughs> you like that? We'll get there. Keep, keep talking. Keep point. This, the trade is firmly on the tracks. Don't worry. We are not. <laughs> we're great. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Hancock County, our next one's an unexplained episode. And what would that be, Chris? We're going to talk about something that if you are our age, maybe a little bit older, you've heard about it before and you've been wondering about it. Maybe you've went to the Adams-Hancock County border to go searching for it like I did when I was a teenager. And that is a place called Peyton's Place. And it's, uh, it has a wild story behind it. And we'll tell you about the folklore behind it. And we'll tell you about the reality behind it coming up on the next episode. Chris, are we going to go on an adventure? Ooh, should we? I think we hmm. might have to. We might have to. we gotta got to get foots on the, feet on the ground. That's so. right. Uh, we'll do that. So we'll have that coming up. Unexplained episode coming your way next uh, for two weeks away. Patreon, we got an episode coming your way next week. Uh, Travis, before we wrap up this uh, beautiful thing, is there uh oh, first of all, let me say this first. I'm sure you're going to say it. Thanks to Adam Yates for coming on and talking to us. That was, man, that was great, great information. I have yet to understand why I started out the questions with the question that needed to be at the end of the interview. Whatever. <laughs> Started out with the question about you know the what, whole Chris? Sometimes in life, you gotta have some dessert first. You know, yeah, that's right, and that's okay. Just popped it right so there. Eat the pumpkin so. pie, then eat the turkey. So, besides thanking uh, Chief Yates for coming in and talking yes, to us, are we you. missing anything else? No, just further, further. Thanks so much for Chief Yates. Uh, he's doing some great stuff down at the QPD, yeah. and uh, appreciate all the hard work, and appreciate everyone here who is listening. And we can't wait to maybe catch you on the Patreon side. If not, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks with all the down low on the Peyton's place, which I know nothing about. So I'm excited to yeah. hear, it, Chris. There you go. Well, we'll have that coming up for you in two weeks. For Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.